much shake and welcome back i'm your host rick jordan and today we're going all in today's an interesting day because we're doing a cross post with an amazing podcast that's in my industry today i'm bringing on channel pros matt whitlock and rich freeman what's shaking guys how are you rick good to see you good to see you too it's great to be on your show too yeah, yeah, it's great to have you on our program as well. Um, I think it, with this whole kind of cross collaboration uh, show that we're doing, uh, why don't we take a couple of minutes and just kind of introduce each other to each other's audiences? Yeah, that's cool, guys. I love that because our audiences are, are similar yet different. In all the ways that matter, I hope. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, right on. So, Rick, why don't, why don't you go ahead and go first? Why don't you tell, uh, tell uh, the Channel for Weekly audience a little bit about you? Yeah, so I am, uh, I am an MSP, uh, the first and only publicly traded managed service provider within our space and there's 143,000 of us across the united states everyone on my show knows us already we've been talking about this for the last several months as we got to the point of our public offering and there was a lot of interesting media attention a couple years ago i'm sure you guys covered it when data went public right and i know you've covered reach out a little bit as well but here's the the difference it's like this wasn't an exit for me or anything it's like this is a mode of building now, because it's a roll-up of managed service providers, of MSPs, that's going to take place over the next two years where we're acquiring about $50 million in top-line revenue is just phase one, you know, or around 50 to 75-plus managed service providers. And still to this day, I'm the CEO. So this isn't, you know, something like where it's I've sold and moved on, which we see a lot in our space, right? And they become coaches, the, the sellers become coaches and all these other things that I see. I'm still doing it. And I love helping MSP just make more income because even out of 50, you know, there's 143,000. I'm only going to acquire around 50 to 75 over the next two years. Yeah, but in that, I just want to help everybody else along the way, guys, whether that's happiness, you know, cars, whatever it is, build a family just to acquire more joy in what they have. Because I know what this is like going from being broke and nothing starting an MSP to where I'm at right now. And I'll leave this with a question. Did you know still that the average man of service provider only takes home about $80,000 a year in personal income? Isn't that kind of crazy? It is. It is. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it, it kind of, yeah, it speaks to the fact that um, folks in, in our audience at Channel Pro definitely need uh, the kind of expertise that we pass along from people like you, because there there really is no reason why even a, a relatively small MSP, the owner of that company, shouldn't be uh, doing better than that. Um, and so for the for the benefit of your audience, I'll go ahead and introduce them to uh, to Channel Pro. So we are a uh, a publication, um, one hundred percent dedicated to IT providers and and MSPs who serve small and mid sized businesses. Um, we went into business in two thousand seven. Um, which if you think back uh, to what was happening in the economy at the time was maybe not the perfect time to launch a business. And yet here we are in 2022, um, bigger and better than ever. We have a website, channelpronetwork.com. Um, we do uh, events in person and, and online. And you've been a part uh, of some of those, Rick, um, even just within the last uh, uh, few weeks. Um, so we, we really like to think of ourselves as um, the voice of the the SMB oriented channel and um, Channel Pro Weekly, which is the podcast that um, we are co broadcasting with right now, is a show that uh, Matt and I uh, host uh, every week, and um, we discuss any and all things uh, related to uh, running an IT business. You know, from sales and marketing to 
uh, new products, um, new uh, solution opportunities, uh, new tools, new technologies, uh, et cetera. That's awesome. Rich, thanks, my man. Matt, I know that you and I always enjoy hanging out in the back right before I go on stage, right, at the at the Channel Pro events. Well, so I, I've taken at our events, I've taken on a little bit more of a production role these days, although you, you'll catch me on stage uh, every now and then doing doing stuff. So I'm part of one, one of our sessions uh, in Dallas. But uh, the rest of the time, I'm, uh, I'm Channel Pro's online director. I kind of manage our, our online infrastructure. Um, I handle a lot of our web stuff. Um, I handle... Uh, tech editorial, so I'm a p- part of the editorial team. I don't get to write hmm. quite as much as I used to, but um, uh, you'll see my name in the magazine every now and then talking about technology and, uh, and uh, generally hardware kind of focus. So we just saw each other, what, about a month and a half ago, right? And it was in Chicago, in my own hometown. And uh, I've got to say that I was really, really impressed because there was probably, what, close to 200 people that were there. You know, there were attendees, for at least from what I could gather in the room, you know, about 20 tables of 10 people. I mean, that's easy math, right? That's 200 people. And it was incredible to see so many people in the room again. And I've been to other events like in Florida, you know, last year at Funnel Hacking Live, there were 3,000 people there. You know, but generally speaking, it's been slow for our industry, from what I feel, compared to the general entrepreneurial space, which is a lot of who's listening right now, you know, in the general entrepreneurial space, it's like the, these events have still continuously gone on during the past couple of years, anywhere they could, they've just moved to states that were open <laughs> almost the whole time, you know, but it's different because you guys do regional stuff, right? What's it been like the past couple of years continuously to try to engage and build a community without the ability like Los Angeles last year, right? I remember I was going to be there. I was speaking and I remember that one was canceled just because it was like two weeks prior. There was more mandates that were placed on. I think it was vaccine requirements or something during that time. I don't remember what. I just remember that you guys made the choice to go all virtual or something or canceled entirely. But how was that trying to maintain and engage a community when a lot of stuff was out of your control. Yeah, it's, it's been an exciting two years. Um, and we had all of these face-to-face events scheduled um, for the year. And we knew right away we, we were almost certainly not going to be able to do any of those. And so we had to learn a ton about hosting virtual events that kind of lived up to our quality standard on the fly. And, and Matt played an enormous role and continues to. But um, he had to figure out in a really short time, like the right set of tools and technologies and the, the production techniques to use to deliver channel pro grade quality online like that. And then last year, kind of, you know, to your point, everyone, um, including us, we, we went back um, by about mid year, we started doing in person events again. I, I think it was your, your event. It was your event, right? There was almost it was Dallas, I think last year was almost in our industry anyways it was like the first in-person one that came back out of all of the events in our space because i remember talking with other guys there like rob ray and uh matt solomon and and discussing with them like oh man it's so good to be back you know and just seeing people in the room and i remember that there was still it was a little skittish right because there might have been about 50 people there that were present in the audience at that one but then there was like another 250 online you know, so you guys pivoted extremely well that I saw. And that was just interesting to see that just the excitement of everybody to be back there in person too. Yeah, we were really early going back in 2020, knowing knowing full well that we were going to do what was I commend you guys hybrid for real to yeah, jump we, right back into it and be the pioneers. So how's the publication doing? 
You know, because it, it's a that's is that what started Rich in t- 2007, or was it the events that started first? No, it was absolutely the publication uh, that started, and uh, you know, we coming out of the gate, it was just a uh, 12 times a year magazine that was available exclusively on paper. Um, I barely remember what the website would have looked like back in 2007. I know that it just wasn't, you know, that that wasn't core to the business. And it was a few years before we started doing um, uh, events and so on, you know, as we kind of branched out into webinars and stuff like that over time. So it was a it was a very different model back in uh, in 2007. And it's been kind of fascinating to watch the publishing industry evolve. And, you know, and then we've had to evolve along with it we we still do a monthly magazine i love that i, I just saw uh, friends of mine actually on the cover of that for this last quarter brian and mary hamilton and now she's hosting events too uh, for clients right and this is amazing she just had her first like cybersecurity. i don't remember what she called it right but she had geez at least from the the videos i saw like 75 people that were at these events but that's the thing is brian and mary had 75 prospects for business sitting in the room. And this is one of the things that this is how this industry has changed and morphed into how you're supposed to sell nowadays too. you know, just like you guys lead with education at your events, right? Because that's what it's supposed to be. The sponsors are there and you see me go up on stage. I'm not selling when I go up on stage, right? I'm not trying to be like, Hey, you know, come to the back of the room and I'm going to see if I can acquire you. You know, that's not, it's like, I'm just here to help. I'm here to educate you on what the industry is doing. And I really appreciate your approach with that too. Now, just encourage some of the other sponsors to do the same. <laughs> that's one of the things. Because you know, it's, they're going to go a lot further, right? That, that works for you. And that's what the, it's, isn't that rich? What the publication was set out to do originally it was just to educate people in the channel. Uh, absolutely. The the original, very original vision. And I was like the founding editor uh, of the publication. And the idea was there are all of these IT entrepreneurs out there. And, you know, by and large, these are people who started out as a technician. They were working with, for somebody else. Somewhere along the line, they decided for one reason or another, I can do this at least as well as my boss can. And I want to give that a shot. And they they went into business for themselves, despite the fact that almost none of them had uh, any experience or any training and just on the job, they're kind of learning how to sell and market and serve customers and then eventually how to hire people and manage people and, and grow employees and, um, keep the books. And I mean, it, just all the stuff that goes along with running a business. Um, th- there, there was this whole population, like you were saying, you know, 143,000 MSPs, a huge population of people figuring it out on their own day by day. Um, and so we thought that there was definitely a place out there for a magazine that would pull together information that these people could draw on to be more effective at what they were doing. And we also had this idea from the beginning that a, a lot of what we could do is connect peers to peers that, um, in addition to, you know, providing guidance and information from a variety of sources that we might know, one of the best things that we could do is connect peers to one another so that they could ask questions of one another. Um, you know, the, the people, like you mentioned, Brian and, and Mary were recently on the cover of the magazine. The people on the cover of the magazine every month are folks who are sharing some experience, some best practice that helped them be more successful with other people like them so that they can apply it in their business as well. And that, that from the get go has been 
the idea here is, is how do we help this community be more successful and how do we help them help each other be more successful? And that's how sales is these days, uh, e- even within the MSP space, but even beyond is just having these sort of micro events to where you can educate people and you invite them for free, but this becomes your marketing expense, right? The invitations and then also the, I don't even think they had sponsors when they did this. I know I don't when we do this, but we had, you just feed people, right? You provide them a lunch or whatever it is and they'll come out and they want to learn because it's a topic that makes sense to them. Quite honestly, Rick, you are way, way more sophisticated than we are at Channel Pro about um, social media and uh, and kind of leveraging social media to spread the word and to grow the business and so on. I feel like there's an opportunity to get more sophisticated about some of these other venues so that once again, we're, we're kind of meeting the audience where they want to, uh, uh, to meet us. The consistency in the content is one of the biggest keys that I've found out, you know, and even personally w- with the two of you, I'm assuming that that was a question, right? By the way, this is <laughs> you're good with, uh, from a, from a social yes, media yeah, perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to know more about um, how you use uh, social media yeah. to grow your business and, and how that might apply to us and folks in our audience. For sure. And we'll, um, we'll put this into kind of two buckets because it, first, most MSPs are never going to do what I do. When it comes to social media, right? If you take a look at Instagram is by far my biggest platform. I have a little over 300,000 followers, but it's gotten a lot of attention. And even when I do large media like Bloomberg or Newsmax or Fox in Washington, D.C. or CNBC, all of these large media, global media networks that I've been on Reuters, you know, which is ticker news in Australia. You know, all these places I've been on have generated so much back traffic to reach out's website is just insane. Now we, we measured about a month ago and we're at 47%. So four, seven, 47% of the SEO traffic that goes to reach out's website is people just searching my name. You know, and I even saw too, you know, I don't know if they're listening, but malware bites it, now because it, there's so much that's around those that if you type type Rick Jordan cybersecurity, there's a Malwarebytes ad that comes up when you type that. So I, I know that malware, but this is brought to me by one of my board members, Malwarebytes is actually using my name to generate traffic to, to their website, you know, which is mind blowing to me. But that's what that's the big bucket, right? And when it comes to personal brand too, it's because of this that uh, you know, the, the podcast is in so many countries. And at some point there will be, you know, probably a, a B2C play when it comes to cybersecurity. That's, a, you know, later on down the road. But as an MSP right now, you can start with just something because Instagram, even though that's my biggest platform, people still go there, you know, not necessarily B2B, but they will go there and look me up, potential clients, potential acquisitions, and look at my content because Instagram is a place where they actually get to know you as a human being. They get to see, and that's how you should see that because it's meant to be photos of your life. You know, if you're taking travel, whatever, I put a lot of my most heartfelt content on Instagram, but then if you shift over, I don't do much with Facebook, by the way, I'm just throwing that out there because Facebook is almost kind of like a dying platform. Yeah, it's great for families to connect for some groups and all those things, but I would never suggest to an MSP to put a lot of money into Facebook where I would say, put money into to generate leads would be LinkedIn. Because LinkedIn is just absolutely incredible because there's so much that you can do. I mean, I host events for MSPs on there right now. I just hosted one with IT Glue and they were blown away because I sent from my team's efforts 
250 registrants to this joint event that we had to, to this virtual live event that we had just because of the efforts that we put on on LinkedIn. That's direct messages. Matt Solomon from Channel Program would, would know, you know, formerly of Kaseya too would understand this because he's super active on LinkedIn. I launched a newsletter because I've been intentionally building my connections and followings on LinkedIn over the last year and a half. A year and a half ago, I had like 400 connections on LinkedIn. I never put much effort into it. It was always Instagram and podcasts and all this. When I started putting effort into there strategically, now I'm close to 12,000, which is bigger than what most have in our industry, right? And it's targeted too, because my target isn't customers right now uh, on LinkedIn, but my target are, are MSPs because I want to help them and then maybe potentially look at some synergies for acquisitions. I don't, I'm, I don't shy away from that, but you can do so much on LinkedIn, but you have to be active. You have to have, I mean, I mean, I know this sounds like stupidity talk, right? But you have to have an updated profile pic. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many times people come on to the show with guests or, or I'm on their shows when I guess on pockets, like, Oh my God, you look exactly like your picture. <laughs> I'm like, and I, I scratch my head. I'm like, that's a thing. Like people are, are, you know, Photoshopping themselves and doing all this weird crap or like a photo from 10 years ago is <laughs> still their profile pic on these things. So if it's for business, do LinkedIn, but I guarantee you guys that people who you're trying to do business with as an MSP, if you're trying to gain clients from there, they're going to go to Instagram to see if you're there and see what type of a human being you are. That's where they connect with you personally, because people buy from people, not from a machine or a company. So different content in, in those two different places, which is interesting. Um, I, I assume it's more of a business conversation on LinkedIn and more about, you know, letting you as a, a person shine through a little bit uh, on Instagram uh, to kind of develop some of that trustworthiness, essentially, that you, you know, who you are as a, a human being. Yeah, you got it's it. Make it, it a little, it's got to make it a little easier, Rick, because, uh, you know, your brand is also you, you, you are your brand, right? So that's got to make it a little bit. I, I don't want to say easier, but maybe a little easier on uh, to, to use platforms like Instagram, where it's, it's generally more of about a, about a personal kind of kind of thing and LinkedIn where it's, it's much more business because you're kind of both. You are. Yeah. For me, it's, it's interesting, you know, and for me, anybody who's lacking, uh, this will probably echo Gary Vee, you know, and the big personal brand guys too. But as I said, 47% of the traffic that goes to reach out's website is people searching for me just Googling me, you know, and if you type in Rick Jordan and Google, I take up the whole front page and Rick Jordan's a pretty common name <laughs> and to the point now to where there's even a Google panel of me, they just give those to you when there's enough searches for you on the right side or we're trying to get it edited. It's kind of funny because somehow someone thinks I wrote some books about parrots or macaws at some point I didn't and I'm not 58 well, I, years I old. I actually had some, some <laughs> questions about blue macaws that I was going to ask you because I know that you, from Google said you were an expert. I know, on, right? I have, have to Australia. make that up. I'm apparently 58 years old too, instead of 42, according to Google, <laughs> but the social links are right, you know, on that panel that's over there. But, but yes, I, I hear what you're saying from there, but think about this for a second. If you go to LinkedIn, right? You're not necessarily connecting with a company that's there. People are still looking for real conversations. So if it's a, if it's an MSP that goes out and has a sale sales call or any kind of phone call, even a, if it's in person, zoom, whatever, with a new prospect, immediately go on and connect with that person at LinkedIn. Then the next thing you want to do is send them a direct message because you might not, some people are nervous, you know, to ask for a cell phone number. For me, it's easy. 
It's actually when you're not nervous about it, anybody will just give it to you. I'm talking celebrities too. That's how I have good phone numbers. You know, it's like, hey, you know, when you connect with them like a real human, you know, not like a fanboy or some freak and you walk, it's like I gen- for an MSP, I genuinely want to help you. I believe that I can help your business. Can you give me your cell phone number just so I can follow up with you next week when I have something put together for you? Notice how easy that was, how I said it. Right. And it makes it part of the natural conversation. But then immediately go and check out some of their content that they're putting up on LinkedIn, especially if it's a law firm or a, a CPA firm. I can almost guarantee you that they've been on this boat much longer than MSPs. This is something that's always boggled my brain a little bit, too, is just the the lack of content that a lot of MSPs will put out on any kind of social media and maybe not even content engagement. You know, one of the best things to do, and this is how I, I gain so many connections, is you go out and you find people that you want to connect with, look at their posts, and then like the post after you read it and send them a DM and say, hey, you know what? I really enjoyed your latest post that you had on your profile. That was really cool. Looking forward to more content from you. Just a message like that after you like their posts, or do you know what? Go out and endorse them. Typically on LinkedIn, when you endorse somebody, they're going to endorse you back for something because that's how LinkedIn works. You can endorse them and there's like an automated function like, hey, can you endorse me for something too? And then it forms a connection that way. It's getting back to, it's the best possible way to do virtual handshakes that exist. And then you can dabble with some of the personal content because you're right. If you go and looked at my LinkedIn, it's more, uh, it's longer posts. It's more about the cybersecurity industry and MSPs as a whole. But then there is some sprinkled content that kind of cross pollinates over from Instagram as well, because while most will go and look for you elsewhere, not all of them do, but then they can still get little doses of who I am as a human and they start to know, like, and trust me in that process so that they're comfortable engaging with me through that direct message, through the DMS. And then you just ask them to join something that you're doing. This is how MSPs join my virtual events right now on LinkedIn. It's like, Hey, I'm putting this on. Would this interest you? Like coming up, I've got, it's the first Monday of every month. I've got a community call. This next one is, you know, the wrong way to raise prices and pay your employees more during inflation. Uh, It's a, does that interest you at all? Cool. Here's the link. Go to the LinkedIn event and just hop on. Oh yes. Different content rich, as you said, but it's, it's meant to be that way. You know, cause it's a different type of audience. It's a business audience that exists on LinkedIn, but there's still people you still want to pepper in some of that personal stuff. You know, something I'm, I'm curious about. So you went from 400 to 12,000 uh, on LinkedIn. I mean, it, it, was that a, a sort of gradual process where you, you came across posts and people who seemed relevant, you reached out to them in the manner you were just describing there? Or are there techniques for finding um, and reaching out to people, um, you know, a little bit, uh, uh, more quickly than that, that, uh, that you were using to, to make that jump. Yeah. I don't use bots. <laughs> so <laughs> there could be, there could be ways to do it quicker, but you run the risk of getting banned from those kinds of things. This is, you know, these are teams and I have, I have messages that are like that, you know? So if I, at first it very much was me, you know, and then I brought a team on, but you, it's exactly what I told you is what's done is I, I go out there and I, I find individuals I want to engage with, or I find MSPs. I see, see some content that they're posting. And I like their content and it's not just a, a click and running through the motions. Like I will leg- legit take a look at the content and see if I like it. I'm not going to like something that I don't like. And that's important too, is being transparent in this process, not to, to go that way. Cause you, you figure that if somebody's posting something that resonates with you, your stuff and your personality is probably going to resonate with them. 
So you want to find those like people. You can have easier conversations. It's lower hanging fruit or it could be a warmer lead in that process. And then it just takes time. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase. It's like, you know, 30 years ago was the best time to plant a tree. The second best time is today. Yeah, this does take time. I mean, to get this podcast in 50 countries, we're up to 260 something episodes published now going three and a half years. Yeah, I had geez, like 11 downloads in the very first episode, <laughs> you know, compared to the 79,000 <laughs> that it exists today. So it's just, it, it takes time and to build this momentum. There's not, there's no real way to shortcut that in anything you do in building a business with the exception of putting in more intention and more energy and focus onto that. Because wherever you place energy and focus grows. I, I love what you said about staying genuine though. People can really see through what's what when people are being fake or going through motions and you know, just kind of liking things randomly. Like it's so obvious when when people do that. And I think that's a key to to genuine making actually genuine valuable connections long term is to stay genuine and true to true to yourself. For sure. Absolutely. And just like, I mean, it, that's a lot of that's a good amount of followers for LinkedIn or Instagram. I've got a lot of followers. Guys, I'm still in my DMs personally. You know, when I stand on stage and I say, hey, text me at this number, you know, it's a, it's a platform called Community, which is Gary V's and Ashton Kutcher's platform in order to engage with a community <laughs> via text messaging, but it's still on my phone. I'm still the one that's in the text messages, that's in the DMs, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, wherever it is, because I want people to know that it's actually me. You know, there's, there may be some times so where a team member could see that and get information back to them and be transparent about that. I have a marketing team. I have a dedicated team to LinkedIn. I have a dedicated team to Instagram. I put a lot of intention and energy and focus into these things because it's just how I chose to grow my business. But any MSP can do this. And what's more so is that every MSP should do this, at least at some level. I mean, speak about that a little bit, because I, I worry that there might be some uh, uh, people listening or watching right now who are thinking, well, I, I don't have the time you know, to invest as deeply as, as Rick is. And I mean, you know, for somebody who wants to, um, uh, begin, uh, uh, leveraging the power of social media for business growth purposes, I mean, how much, um, investment, how much time should they expect to have to invest in order to do this at a, at a decent level? If you want to do it where it's consistent. And when I say consistent, I mean a post a day. You know, which you're thinking, oh, God, that's that's 30 a month. You know, there's a couple things about every social media platform that's important, and that has to do with consistency. So whatever you decide to do, if it's a post a day, I wouldn't suggest any less than a post every three days, which would be about 10 posts a month. But when you post consistently, the algorithm starts to like you more because it know that it can count on you to display your content to other people. It's almost like it's just waiting for you to continuously feed the machine. When you go off rhythm, even like posting too much or posting too little than what you usually do, then it kind of messes it up a little bit. So if it's 10 posts a month or 30 posts a month, it really only takes about a day to generate that amount of content if you're really intentional to it. I mean, for me, I mean, I'm in a, a studio right now, right? This is like a content producing machine. You know, it's once a month that I'll do podcasts where I have five or six guests on and I batch them all in one day, which generates six hours worth of content that can generate literally about 50 clips to go into social media. But then I have a copywriter that will take 
little bits of those things and actually start to write some articles and things for LinkedIn for me based upon literally everything that I said. You know, so most of the phrasing and everything is mine originally to begin with. Now, while I have a team, any individual, even if it's like a one man band MSP, you can sit down for a half a day and come up with at least 10 posts for that month. Any photos you have, because some of the best photos that resonate with me on Instagram are photos of me and my kids. You know, it, it's relatable, it's family, and then just write something. Like, I mean, when the shooting happened, this was a pivot on my team's part, you know, but I had the photos there already because I try to capture this stuff all the time to where it's like, man, these, these kids in the, in the school were shot today. And the post that, that I wanted to go up was about my kids being like, I'm holding them tighter today. You know, and it, and it shows the human side of really who you are. And this is stuff that can go on LinkedIn, guys, and that should go on LinkedIn. Because it shows you way beyond a, a cybersecurity professional, way beyond an IT management professional. It shows you as a human being because I bet you most of the people we're trying to serve also have kids. You know, and th then that, that forms a common connection. So if you put that up there on LinkedIn, it's like, man, tragic news today. Today I'm holding my kids a little tighter. Don't take life for granted. Don't take the years you have with your kids for granted because today is the only day that you know that you have promise with them. Yeah, and that, that's, it became a viral post but it's my heart. <laughs> That's why it became a viral post. I think some MSPs might have some worry about getting personal. What, what, what are some of the, how do you ma manage some of the risks about um, putting maybe too much out there where it might backfire? And there's a, uh, I, I walk and dance this line here and there. Uh, if you're going to get into the realm of politics, that that's something you have to navigate very, very carefully. You know, like, for example, I'll go on, it was uh, last year, I go on Newsmax, and I was talking about the Instagram algorithm, actually, just like we're talking today. And it became about uh, teenage body shaming for teenage girls. You know, and because Newsmax typically leans a little bit to the right, they start pushing me. It was Bob Sellers was the anchor, starts pushing me and telling me, well, what about big tech this, big tech that, the algorithm? Don't you think they should do something and everything? You know, and I just laughed at them. And, and I'm like, well, wh what about responsible parenting bob you know <laughs> yeah i think the algorithm has you know some sort of a, a malfunction actually it's probably working the way it's supposed to because it, it it likes the negative emotions and everybody you know human nature is to feed on negative emotions but if we're responsible parents and sit at our dinner tables with our kids and tell them to do these things you know so i took it from a both sides approach you know politics is the only place that i would tell msps to be careful other than that, expose your life for real, you know, and you might think like, like privacy, you know, I'm a private person, all those things, but that's not, it's, if it's a conversation you would have with somebody in person, it's a conversation that's okay to put online. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking like with your spouse behind closed doors, that kind of in person, but I'm talking with a neighbor, you know, that you're just talking about, like I said, the shootings, you know, hold your kids a little tighter today, man. Don't be afraid to put that stuff out there. You know, and if we're talking about social media and personal branding, this is the time to jump in on this it, because it, going forward, when I talk to this comes full circle, right? Going forward, when I talk about the right way to sell as an MSP right now is not going in person and sitting down with that individual because that's too freaking slow, guys. It's way too freaking slow. The way that you want to do this is like Brian and Mary Hamilton did it where you bring 75 people in a room and talk to them at the same time. Generate 15 leads out of that, which five of them are going to close. You know, it's just simple math when you have your close ratios down. It's freaking phenomenal. 
you know, and, and this is where things are going to go. So if you want to just putter along as an MSP, if you, and I'm going to be direct on this. I hope you don't mind that. And if you do, I'm sorry. Well, not sorry. But MSPs need to be out front and doing these things and evolving right now because this is where the space is going. It's becoming hotter. And the reason I say it's becoming hotter is because there's other ways to reach people now. You know, the old ways of just going door to door or having one meeting at a time, they're done. They're absolutely freaking done. I don't even think that in-person meetings should be your first meeting anymore, especially after these things. I started doing that years ago because I was still involved in sales, is doing Zoom meetings with people as the very first meeting just to see if it's even worth your time. You know, But instead of doing Zoom meetings one-on-one, what if you have like a one to 20 doing a virtual event? If you're nervous about public speaking, as you call it, the only nervousness is that you actually might make a freaking sale, <laughs> you know, because your brain, your subconscious goes all the way to the end of that thinking, what do you need to do to accomplish this? It's like, well, what if I go in there and I talk to 20 people and five of them actually close? Holy hell, how am I going to handle that work? It's not really the fear of public speaking that MSPs will have. It's actually the fear of scalability. So when I say that the space is getting hotter, that's what MSPs are facing right now. Because if you're not larger, if you don't have the resources, if you don't have the foundation in place, you're not going to be able to handle the amount of workload that's going to come your way. We saw all the scrambling and people making bank, right, in the MSP space when the pandemic hit with all this remote work. You know, and I saw across all these Reddit threads. I monitor Reddit. I don't really like Reddit, but I monitor it. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm making more money than I have in years. This is amazing. And guess what happened four months later? they're back into like poverty again. And it's horrible because I feel so bad for, for these MSPs, but it wasn't sustainable because they couldn't handle that workload and grab onto it and keep going up because it kept going in their own pockets. I love backtracking to when I first started this and said that, hey, the very first thing that I did was invest back in my business and hired people to be able to take things off of my plate. So I wasn't the one that was answering service desk calls. I wasn't the one that was, you know, always ha having to handle billing issues or, or whatever the thing would be when it came up, because th this space is just going to continue to get hotter businesses. There's no shortage of them, even over the last couple of years. And I'm predicting right now that there will be one third less MSPs now. So that 143,000 mark, there will be a third less in five years because of two reasons, one for consolidation and two, because the smaller ones will not be able to service their customers the way they should be able to. And it's because of this stagnation that they have in themselves and this indecision to be able to change with the times, to be able to sell in different ways, to be able to go and mass market to people rather than one-on-one. -on -one. Still have the one-on-one, -on -one, but be one-on-20 in person, be one-on-75 in person. Imagine what your life could be like, you know, not taking home 80K a year, but actually taking home 800K a year. It's a stark difference. It's, it's, talk a little, if, if you can, talk a little bit about the amount of consolidation that you see out there because you're out there buying, you're out there buying MSPs. You, you know that, that it's, it's coming together and in order to scale and in order to service customers, you've got to be, you got to be bigger. How, how can you get, what can you say to an MSP right, that's out there right now that's really small that might be thinking, wow, I can't really do a lot of the things that they can do. What, what does that person need to do? And what are you seeing out there? Yeah, thank you for that. There's two ways to go about it. Uh, and I think 11 years ago, when I started to reach out, it was a different world, guys. It was a much different world. Cybersecurity really wasn't even a thing. 
at that I, and time. Britney Spears was still a singer. <laughs> she was, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you brought up Britney, you know, which by the way, she got the, you know, whatever was her custody or whatever revoked, you know, like a, like about six months ago or something. She's a free woman again. <laughs> Yay, Britney. <laughs> With the consolidation in the space, and this is happening at all levels. I mean, we just saw Kaseya, you know, put in their offer to buy Datto, you know, which is actually interesting. I was there when uh, Fred was talking in Boca Raton, and he was describing different things, and it, it, it emulated what's going across the board, right? Because Datto, as a whole, he goes, I'm just going to say it. We bought Datto because Datto was cheap. <laughs> this was right when he was talking on that stage. And, and these are the things that, that I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, that's that's awesome that's a lot of balls I, I love who this guy is right because he's just putting out there his truth and he's like i don't get it because they're a public company that means their financials are out there you can actually go and look and their profit is like next to nothing you know they're, they're running a single digit ebitda you know which is why they were cheap which is why it was good for us to go in and buy them because now we can add efficiencies and we can scale the company even more he's like it was just a good match but we bought them because they were cheap yeah, and as I look with at the space right now, I, I've talked about MSP owners taking home about 80K a year, right? Which, by the way, is just slightly higher than the SBA's, the Small Business Administration's average take-home pay for any small business owner that exists in, in the whole United States. I think it's at like $63,000 right now. It holds true in the MSP space, too. You know, it, it's right around that same range. You know, obviously, it's like seventy eight, seventy nine thousand 79000 for MSPs. Now... What I'm seeing is very similar circumstances to Datto. And don't get me wrong, because I think Datto is a company, the technology is actually pretty great. And I'll come out there and say it. We use it, it's, it's been in use across the board. Obviously, we're acquiring MSPs that are using it too. And as a company, they're good. But you see this with MSPs also, is that their EBITDA is low. You know, at least the smaller ones, it's really, really low because there's not a lot that's being used to reinvest back in the business. The mindset that I see a smaller MSPs are, are just as simple as I want to pay my mortgage. You know, and, and this is why, you guys, th this is really what like displays my heart wide open here. Because I know that I'll find my 50 to 75 MSPs over the next two years, because it's going to be a good synergy between us. Like th there's a big one that's coming up here that, that's going to close within the next quarter. You know, and I'll have more to say about that in a little bit, but I'm a public company now, so there's not a lot that I can disclose publicly until it happens either. You know, it, the smaller ones that I see, you know, I'm still going to find 50 to 75. I'm not worried about that. But guys, I want the 143,000 to just make more money, you know, to, to have a better quality of life. So when I see an MSP come across the board, I'm like, guys, man, you're not really worth that much as a business because your EBITDA is only 8%. You know, you, you may be taking in a million dollars, but no joke, you're only taking home $80,000. You've got a million in revenue, but why are you only making as an owner $80,000? Well, I've got all my people that I got to pay. I've got these other things. And it's like, you're, you're running inefficient. And even worse that I see is that most of the pricing is way out of whack. And this is why it's difficult to, to actually encourage MSPs that are under a million dollars, which by the way, is like 93% of them. Uh, across the, the United States. I know, I was there. The first five years, I went from zero to 500K in revenue. <laughs> Reach out, you know? The next five years went from 500K to 5 million. Yeah, and that's because I had to shift how I, I looked at these things and shift my perspective 
and understand that the only way to do this is to actually provide more value. And you know, this is like a little trick into my or a little uh, seed, I guess this is probably going to publish after my LinkedIn training. But the only way to raise prices and to charge more is to provide more value. You know, who the hell cares about inflation and everything else? Don't just raise your prices just to raise your prices. And don't go back to your existing clients and saying we're bumping up prices without adding more value to it. That's like business suicide. You know, look at AT&T and Verizon right now. They're doing that, right? And then there's T-Mobile that's saying, hey, you know what? Screw those other guys. We're going to give you our top plan for the same price as the middle tier plan. We're just going to keep our prices the same and actually take it down for most everybody else. They're gaining so many more customers that way. And they're focusing on efficiencies and profitability, you know, and consolidation of their physical resources in order to increase their profits. But to do that, they're generating more cash flow in the term, in the near term by pulling all these other customers over. That's what MSPs have to do. I've done this time and time again to where I've pulled customers from other MSPs in the area, in the Chicago area, who were paying less. And now they're paying twice as much with reach out because I'm giving them more value. This could be adding two more products to your stack. This could be coming to a channel pro event and looking at one of the vendors and walking in and saying, Hey, I'm going to add something to my stack today because I can add something and then charge more tomorrow. I can make more money and my clients can have more value and be more predictable, reliably reliable and secure. It's a win-win. Small MSPs are going to have a tough time because if you look at reach out stack, you know, and we just went through this this morning with our board of directors, they were like, Oh my God, there's the, I miscounted. I used to say 27 from stage. I don't know if you remember that at channel pro events. I, I would say, Hey, this is reach out stack 27. I'm right We have 34 dude, <laughs> 34 items, you know, with, with different tools and, and processes and platforms that are in our cybersecurity stack. And the only way to provide something like that, that actually does work and protects all these attack vectors from hacker from hackers is to actually charge more money. And I don't care what area of the country that you're in, you can match this to it because uh, there, there's a, a training I did on pricing and there's different rule sets, but you should be at least at 70 points in gross margin on every single thing that you do after all of your, all of your tools are paid for after your people that go into servicing that client are paid for even what you should pay yourself. And if you're a lone ranger right now, take what you would pay someone else and calculate that in your cost of goods sold and see if you're still at 70 points of margin. Most won't be because there's no MSP out there that should be charging less, less than 199 a seat. You know, reach out charges 499 a seat. You know, and that's literally for everything, you know, that that's the cyber and the IT management. But look, we're providing 34 layers <laughs> to our clients, and stuff doesn't go wrong. And when it does, I think, you know, we've had clients get breached because it's not a magic wand, but when it does go wrong, the longest amount of time that we've ever taken in incident response to get them completely fully operational again is two hours. That's it. And that's because we charge so much and because we charge so much, we can deliver all these different tool sets because we can deliver all these different tool sets. It's actually a service that works. It, yeah. Well, it, it's there, there. Probably is no um, bigger, more important issue in the industry right now for MSPs than the sort of larger issue, the master issue that you're addressing there, which is just that um, 
that consolidation you were talking about is happening. So yeah, you know, um, there has never been more demand for managed services that is pulling a lot of money into the market. Um, from private equity firms, from um, uh, already established large uh, companies like yours that are looking to acquire and to grow. And what that means for the smaller MSP is, like it or not, you're going to be competing with with companies that can do a whole lot more than you are doing right now. And you need to, at a minimum, you need to have a strategy for competing with those companies if you intend to stay independent and small and if you you want to get bigger, then you need a plan for how to get bigger and and how you're going to do that and do that relatively rapidly because um, I don't know what the timeline looks like, but there there are going to be uh, probably fewer uh, MSPs out there, you know, two two to three years down the road. So th- this is coming at everybody in our audience, whether they like it or not, whether they're ready for it or not, and they they need to have a strategy for how they're going to do that because um, it, it will get harder and harder to uh, to compete the the old school way over time. You got it, Rich. And I want to leave everybody on a high note, too, because, I mean, what we're saying is just, you know, the straight truth. Yeah, but there are ways to do this. You know, one of the ways is to maybe join up with, with someone like Reach Out. Now, we're the only public one, you know, that exists. Private equity, by the way, is not going to buy you if you're doing under $5 million in revenue. They just won't because you need to have at least a million dollars in EBITDA a million dollars in profit in order for private equity to actually even consider you. you know, so if you're smaller than that, the only one that you're attractive to is somebody like me from an acquisition perspective. You know, but if you're somebody that doesn't let and you want to go for it, there's ways to do this. And, and the, the best tip that I have for any MSP and really any business period, no joke, any business period is to add some kind of new offering or some kind of feature or value to your services, to your products, at least four times a year. That's once a quarter. So as you're going to Channel Pro events and you see these vendors that are around there, scope out someone that you could add, a service that you could add to your stack, to your service, to your product that you're offering this quarter. And then you do the same thing next quarter. Now reach out, we evaluate maybe 10 or 12 a year and that's how we got up to 34. So we've been at this it was just like we were talking about with personal brand, right? And going from all the you know 400 followers to whatever it is on LinkedIn right now or, or Instagram and all that. It takes time. And today is the day to start that because if you can add four services a year, in three years, you're going to have 12 services you didn't offer before. And you at least have that. And if you think you can accelerate that pace, that's cool. But you can't just try something out and then just skip it, right? Three months later. This also means that you have to commit too. You know, and I think some, some vendors are getting on board with this to where they're allowing no minimums, you know, or a very small minimum at this point, even if they have contracts, who cares? I mean, I started this 10 years ago when everybody, all the vendors in the MSP space required long-term contracts, you know, three years worth and all this stuff. But it, I didn't care. I think this is what I spoke on at the last channel pro event, right? It's like, who cares? Commit first, commit first, and then take massive action. So if you see something there like, oh, you got to sign a three-year contract and you're like, oh my God, I know this is going to provide so much value. I want to do this this quarter. You have to sign up for 300 licenses minimum, whatever it is, but you only have 50 people you're servicing right now as a, as a small MSP. Who cares? That just means that over the next quarter, during your ramp-up period, you just have to sell 250. That's all, right? Think about when that's done and how much more money you're going to be making and how many more clients you have when you sell those 250, all because you made the decision now, today, in the moment to actually commit first and then take the massive action. Uh, any MSP, any uh, channel pro out there who has that kind of uh, 
uh, confidence, um, you know, in, in themselves and uh, and in, in their ability to keep growing the business. That's all I've got well, today, good. guys. You got questions? No, that's uh, probably a good place uh, to wrap up. So, um, Rick, you, you know, let, let's go ahead and uh, sign off for our audience here. Um, it, I'm sure, I'm sure you've uh, turned some heads. I'm sure you've gotten some attention with some of the things that you've said there. People either uh, love it, me or hate me, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those for those uh, in either camp who want to reach out to you and connect with you and either yell at you or or uh, do business <laughs> with you, where can they go? How can they find? You? Uh, the, the best place that you can, for real, text me at 312-535-8520, you know, that, and, or you can come follow me and connect with me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best platform for MSPs. If you want to see some more fun content like there was today, that would be Instagram. But text me, LinkedIn, Instagram. Easy place to start all those is whoisrickjordan.com. Awesome. And for those who, uh, who want to check out the Channel Pro Weekly podcast uh, or, or the Channel Pro Network itself, so the website's channelpronetwork.com. Go there each and every day. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the Channel for Weekly Podcast, like Rich said earlier on, we're everywhere podcasts are. We're also on YouTube if you like to watch. Uh, it's a it's a great show. It's got lots of lots of good information to help keep you on top of what's going on. We have some of the most awesome interviews uh, of, of any sh- of any show out there, including uh, you know great great awesome uh, guests like uh, like Mr. Rick Jordan here. So uh, come and check us out. Awesome guys, thanks for being on All In too. Have a blessed day.